Hello and welcome to Single Cell Science. I'm Louise Seeker. And I am Sarah Jekyll. I am a postdoctoral research fellow in a neuroscience lab at the University of Edinburgh, and I study differences in the gene expression with age, sex, and region in the postmortem human central nervous system. For this, I'm using a tool, which is single-cell RNA sequencing. And this tool is so exciting that I think it deserves a whole podcast series. I'm also a postdoctoral researcher in the same lab, and I'm interested in cellular changes in the context of neurodegenerative diseases, which are equally revealed by using single-cell RNA sequencing. Many people are using this technology already, but there are still more people who do not fully understand it. And for this reason, I got very excited when Louise asked me if I want to make a podcast about it with her. So what is single cell RNA sequencing? In short, it's a novel technology to study the transcriptome of individual cells in order to determine its function. And we hope that after a few episodes of our podcast, you will be better able to understand what this means and how it is done. Every lab seems to be doing single-cell RNA sequencing at the moment. But why is it such an exciting technique? The short answer is because we can use it to better understand cellular differentiation, heterogeneity and responses to treatments, which will help us to improve diagnostics of a variety of diseases such as cancer, inflammatory diseases, respiratory diseases and neurodegenerative diseases. It all starts with the central dogma of molecular biology. DNA is transcribed into messenger RNA or mRNA and this messenger RNA is transported into the cytoplasm where it is translated into an amino acid sequence that makes up a protein. Proteins have specific functions and thus the complete protein expression of a cell determines its morphology, function and behavior. So different cell types express different panels of proteins. Some of them are shared with other cell types and some of them are unique. It would be ideal if we could measure all the proteins a cell expresses to study its function. But this is only possible to some degree with the tools we currently have. And for this reason, scientists have developed single-cell RNA sequencing to look at the entirety of an mRNA within one cell. This is at the moment the best we can do to study their function. Sarah and I want to understand heterogeneity of cells, which are the functional units of an organism. And our understanding of the heterogeneity of cell types is improving with the development of new methods we use to investigate cells. Already more than a hundred years ago, pathologists were interested in this and they used microscopes and looked at cells and described the morphology. Like for example, Del Rio Ortega, who described different types of oligodendrocytes in the brain. But cells that looked the same could not be differentiated any further and their morphology also did not reveal any function. Then scientists found that cells that looked the same under the microscope expressed different proteins and they could use this knowledge to investigate their differences in function. An example for this are T-cells that can express either CD4 or CD8 proteins which marks them as either T-helper or T-killer cells. But the problem with previous approaches is that they are targeted which means that you are looking for specific proteins that you know are expressed. 
But if we knew the entirety of a protein expression of all T cells, we would be able to group them probably even further, and thus use this knowledge to study the cellular behavior in more detail. And this is why single-cell RNA sequencing is so useful, because it can determine the cellular RNA expression in a yet unreached resolution and in a completely unbiased way. When I thought about an analogy to what single-cell RNA-seq adds to our understanding of biology, I, as a trained vet, had to think of dogs. Imagine that with a microscope we were able to differentiate cells based on morphology, which is similar to being able to see a dog and be able to say if it is a pug or a Great Dane. Then it was discovered that morphological similar cells can express different surface marker proteins, which may be in parallel with us being able to say that they are Great Danes of different fur colors, such as black and blue. Yes, you do call it blue, although it looks gray. But now, with single-cell RNA-seq, we can have a closer look at the blue Great Danes, for example, and see that there are still differences between them, which link to their behavior. Some blue Great Danes may be friendly, while others are aggressive. Some may snore at night, others don't. Scientists are working on single-cell proteomics, which is the measurement and analysis of all proteins expressed by a cell, and those techniques are very exciting and promising, because they would be the closest link to cellular morphology and function. However, it is not possible at the moment to look at very many cells at the same time. Therefore, people often use RNA expression as an approximation of protein expression to investigate cellular heterogeneity and function. Thinking about the central dogma of molecular biology again, this means we go one step back and don't assess cellular function by their protein expression, but we look at the messenger mRNAs that should be translated into proteins. We know that not for all genes the correlation between gene and protein expression is perfect, but overall it is a pretty good estimation. Also, single-cell RNA sequencing techniques are scalable and it is now already possible to measure the transcriptomics, so the whole mRNA expression of hundreds thousands of cells in a single project. This is really exciting and we learn so much about cell types we think we already knew. Sarah, for example, has shown that oligodendrocytes, which are specific cell types in the central nervous system, are heterogeneous in the human brain, and that when the brains are affected by a neurological disease called multiple sclerosis, the number of cells in each of the identified subtypes changes. This study was published in Nature in 2019, and it brings us one step closer to better understanding this disease and hopefully someday find new methods for diagnostic and treatment. Before single-cell RNA sequencing was developed, people already used single-cell qPCR for detecting a few genes in tissues. This is what we call a biased approach, where you have to know what you are looking for before you start looking. An unbiased approach, on the other hand, is measuring everything that is potentially there without prior knowledge, and this is what current technologies do. Linking it back to the dog analogy with single-cell qPCR, you may have been able to ask the question if blue Great Dane snore or not, but you did not get answers to questions you did not think to ask, such as if blue Great Danes are friendly or not. 
The first unbiased single-cell RNA sequencing experiment was conducted in 2009 on a rare cell type in mice. Very few cells were studied, and the current appeal of the method was only reached by massive scaling of the method and a considerable reduction in sequencing costs. Nowadays, projects typically analyze tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of cells. There is so much you can do with this technology. One major endeavor of the scientific community is to build maps of tissues or even whole organisms. Imagine you see a healthy human being and you are able to zoom in and see the gene expression of each cell. And then you see a person who suffers from a disease. And again, you can zoom in and see how different cell types diverge from the normal state in their gene expression. This is a fantastic opportunity for the development of new diagnostics, precision medicine, gene therapy and drug discovery. Imaginative usage could be for personalized precision medicine. Let's take brain cancer for example. Not all types of tumors are the same and different types of tumors in different patients require different treatments. But this is hard to decide. In an ideal world, we could perform single-cell RNA sequencing on tumor biopsy material to untangle the fine tumor composition and the body response to it and use this to determine the specific treatment for the patient. But unfortunately, there is still a long way to go until we reach this point, also because it takes very long and it is very expensive. A lot of labs are currently working on generating reference maps of healthy human tissues, which will be collected in the Human Cell Atlas. The ultimate goal is to link this reference atlas to different diseases. This year, this technology has contributed to a better understanding of which cells are involved in the pathogenesis of COVID-19. Before single-cell RNA sequencing was developed, there was already the possibility to perform bulk RNA sequencing, where, for example, the total gene expression in a treatment group was compared to the total gene expression in a control group. It was then looked for genes that are differentially expressed as a result of treatment, which means they were either significantly up or down regulated in response to the treatment. However, if the treatment led to the upregulation of a gene in one cell type and a downregulation of the same gene in another cell type, the effect may have been masked. Not so in single cell RNA sequencing. This is why we use single cell RNA sequencing, because here you can reveal also these tiny changes. Another problem with bulk RNA sequencing is that lowly expressed genes are generally very difficult to be detected and mostly is driven by genes that are highly expressed in the tissue. So single-cell RNA sequencing is a very powerful tool that changes our understanding of biology. Basic understanding of this method is more and more required to understand scientific presentations or publications. We think that together with CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing, this is one of the most exciting tools in biology that have been developed in this century so far. And the future holds many interesting developments. For once, it is more and more possible to say not only which genes are expressed, but where cells expressing the gene are located in the tissue. Those so-called spatial techniques are being improved, and some of them are reaching single-cell resolution. Another interesting development is the shift to multiomics data, where not only the transcriptome, which is the entire mRNA expression of a cell, is measured, 
But at the same time, there are other measurements recorded for the same cell. For example, scientists are interested in studying epigenetics, so the gene methylation in the same cell. Or they are looking at how accessible the DNA is, which is another marker for which genes are transcribed. The development of new lab techniques such as single-cell RNA sequencing leads to the generation of a plethora of data. Hand-in-hand goes the development of bioinformatic tools, which help us to make sense of the data. In this podcast, we'll introduce the principal lab workflow of a single-cell RNA sequencing experiment in the second, and the general ideas behind the bioinformatic analysis in the third episode. Future episodes will include interviews with scientific experts in the field, and I am really looking forward to discuss specific methods, either in the lab context or for the bioinformatic analysis in greater detail. We are open to also discuss other single-cell technologies in the future. We both work on single-cell RNA sequencing experiments, in which we study the postmortem human central nervous system. My project is part of the previously mentioned Human Cell Atlas, where I want to contribute to a better understanding of differences in gene expression in the human central nervous system. This is a descriptive project which generates interesting hypotheses along the way. For example, I can show that the same cell type in different central nervous system regions can be quite different in gene expression. I am currently working on a follow-up project of my published work that Louise mentioned before on multiple sclerosis, where we are analyzing a high number of different lesion types in order to find a pattern of cellular composition and markers for each lesions that can then be used as diagnostic tools. At the same time, I am about to start my own lab, where I will be working on the pathogenesis of Alzheimer's disease, also using single-cell RNA sequencing. So we hope we could nurture your interest in single-cell RNA sequencing and that you will join us for the next episode. If you have questions and want to get in touch with us, email us at singlecellscience at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe.